A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six oh, days. I'm going to leave it there. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'm down to one field and we'll see them all. What are you doing down here, you shawny man? <laughs> It says a lot about Manchester United's season that they lost to their biggest rivals 9-0 over their two matches. And still, neither of those games will end up as their most embarrassing of the season. That honour goes to Saturday's 4-0 defeat to Brighton. A humiliating defeat, even in the words of their own manager. A match in which Brighton racked up a quarter of their goal tally for the whole season at home in just this one ninety minutes of football. Uh, yes, a team that had scored only 12 goals at home were suddenly scoring with such ease that they appeared to shock themselves at 4-0 up Alexis McAllister strolled into the United box to get on the end of yet another move but seemed to forget the last bit of just kicking the ball into the empty net as though he had slowed his own body down just to get on the same wavelength as the United defending watching it unfold I couldn't help think of my Manchester United supporting mate Kieran Murphy and asking is today the day he finally put some respect on the name of the Brighton manager Graham Potter Welcome to Monday Second Campus Football Podcast. Hi, Ken. Hey, Owen, how are you? And who's that Who's that on the other... No! No, he couldn't even front up. After all his Graham Potter bashing all season, talking about all the draws that Potter gets and yet gets praised for, the day that he sticks it to Manchester United, Kieran Murphy doesn't have the balls to step up to and be accept seen. what's coming to him. <laughs> Nowhere to be seen. Incredible stuff. Um, yeah. A bit like the United Defenders the other day, could be said. Boom, boom. Whoa, <laughs> absolutely hotter than a pistol today. Oh. No, it really was, have, yeah. What a performance. Um, I mean, and it is, it, it does, I have to say, Owen, oh, it is testament to the enduring appeal of the Manchester United brand that they somehow <laughs> have topped the billing on this Monday morning. <laughs> really? There's a lot more, there's a lot more going on with much greater relevance to what's <laughs> happening in the league, but it just, it is quite funny. Just the nature of their goal, just... All the all the little statistics, the one that I've already given about the quarter of the... Basically going from 12 goals at home to 16 goals in one match, Brighton. And just the amount of them. Pascal Gross scores his first goal of the season. Cucurella scores his first ever goal for Brighton. All the Olays before the fourth goal, I think it was. And yeah. even that miss by McAllister that I just thought was hilarious. It was just, it was just, it was almost like it was too easy. Jeepers! That well, the, you know, I mean, Brighton are uh, in a situation. Brighton obviously have, have had a really good season. You know, Jonathan Wilson. You know, 
I think he said before the season, he ventured that the opinion that Brighton could finish as high as 12th. Well, guess what? They're ninth. Yeah, Ken. And guess what else? They're within 11 points of Man United with a game in hand. So let's uh, not rule that out. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, well, they, we can't. We literally can rule that out. Owen. Mathematic, mathematically, they could still overall Man United if they win fair. their last four games. We can rule that out. But, but um, you know, they've played 36 uh, Premier League games. They've played 41 games. How many games have they scored four goals in? One. One game, Owen. How many, how many games have they scored as many as three goals in? Out of their one. 41. No, Owen. They've done that twice. They did it to what they beat Wolves 3 0, and they beat Everton 3 2. But otherwise, they've never, you know, to score four goals. And, and, and as, you, as you mentioned, you know, there were simple chances which they then failed to add to. It's just, <laughs> honestly. And, you know, you see Ronaldo laughing at the team. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, that bit. and then you go on, then you go online and you see people just going, where would we be without him? Where would this team be without Ronaldo? <laughs> so anyway, again, we're not, you know, we're not going to waste any more time talking no, about No, no, we've, we've done enough there. Look, it Murph's is not a here, low that's point. all we're saying. Like, yeah. it, it, it's as bad. It's as bad as they've ever been. You know, they are um, going to get their lowest ever. It has been confirmed. This is going to be the lowest ever tally in the Premier League, you know. And I suppose we've seen it coming from a mile off, from a while off, I should say, um, that, you know, it was going to be that type of season. But just how bad it's actually been. Is is really you know it's it, it's worth further discussion on some other time. Jack Pitbrook and John Bruin on the show today to talk about some ma- non Manchester United topics later on in the week. We're going to London, baby. We're going to be podcasting from London from Wednesday to Friday this week, including our big live show at the Earth Theatre in Hackney on Thursday night. Thank you so much to our London gang who've snapped up every available ticket for that one. We'll see you in a few days' time and to hear all the best bits from London. You just need to be a World Service member, obviously, so you can do that now if you're not already on secondcaptains.com. Costs just five euro a month plus VAT, depending on whereabouts in the world you're listening from. Ken, report on sport, please. Two managers, both alike in dignity, um, this weekend, which is to say not very dignified. Uh, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola uh, both had things to say after their team's respective games. Um, the game for Klopp was a lot more disappointing, which maybe is why the Liverpool lip uh, couldn't resist <laughs> couldn't resist his uh, the opportunity to put the boot in on Antonio Conte, an honest young manager who'd come up to uh, come up to Liverpool with his team, uh, you know, and set them out in absolutely the best way that he knew he knew how. And to be honest, had um, had had uh, got a great result and could have won the game. I mean, as as Conte said, you know, I see I see disappointment in the eyes of my players. Tottenham could have won the game. It was very even chance wise. You know, I'd say Tottenham had the better chances. In fact, you know, expected goals would slightly disagree with me, but you know, it was it was pretty much level on that on that measure. The eye test, you're you're choosing the eye test over expected goals today. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I thought there was. I mean, okay, there weren't too many more chances aside from the simple one that that Son scored, but you got the sense that a chance was only a half second away. You know, we were talking about that um, the mind game Liverpool defending. You know, that the the non contact, non interventionist positional defending. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, can this defensive line catch you offside without actually having to do anything? But what happens if that doesn't happen? <laughs> then suddenly it's, oh no, you know, the cat is very much, much amongst the pigeons here, uh, as it was for Tottenham's goal. Uh, Liverpool obviously got back into it with a deflected goal by Luis, Luis Diaz, but it was one of those games where 
you know, they were like, they, they, there was crazy crossing statistics, you know, but lots of inaccurate crosses, lots of balls that sort of seem to just float over everyone in the box and bounce out for a goal kick. And every time it bounces for a goal kick, it's like, well, there, there goes another six minutes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it was one of those, uh, one of those types of types of games where I think just in the sheer kind of the kind of relentless slog that they've been in was catching up with them and against a team like Tottenham who are just so sharp at um at, at exploiting any little mistakes uh, at the back any any of these little gaps um they, they they weren't good enough well there are two questions there about what Klopp said so do you think he's right in the way he characterised Spurs approach and, well, what and, do you think, and, say? and do you also think it's fair of him to say what he said well what, what he said first of all was uh, I think they're world class and they should be doing more for the game he said, it's my, I don't like it, but that's my problem. I can't coach it. That's why I cannot do it. But he then, I respect everything they do. Uh, you know, fine. They're world-class players. Block all the balls. Very difficult. Atletico Madrid is brilliant. Fine. Whatever. It's just, I can't. I respect everything they do, but it's not me. Um, and then he made another point about Tottenham. They drew against Arsenal. Won against City, I think. Against Chelsea as well. Did they win against Chelsea? Actually, no, they didn't win against Chelsea. They lost four matches against Chelsea this season because they, they lost to them in the in the... Um, Carabao Cup as well as the league, um, but they did beat City. They they did the double. They did uh, did the double. They did the double against Manchester City. Um, Klopp said, "So the game plan works for these games. Well, not for the Chelsea games, but they're still fifth. So that's how it is. It's really a tough one. So he's suggesting there that basically there's a, there's a ceiling to to have how how high you can go with Antonio Conte tactics, right?" And I think, Owen, that this is one of the most ridiculous things I've heard Jurgen Klopp say in a number of ways. Well, first of all, Owen, on a very pedantic point, um, Antonio Conte hasn't managed Tottenham this whole season. They were managed initially by Nuno Spirito Santo, and Conte only came in sort of mid-season. And and actually, I probably should have looked at this before I opened my mouth on this, but I think based on their results since uh, Conte came in, Tottenham are, you know, if, if you if you look at the league since then, I think Tottenham are in the top four. Oh, so they've actually I think burst they through that ceiling. That yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, what, what is the ceiling? You know, if the ceiling is, are they going to win the league? Then no. But, you know, Tottenham don't have a squad that's capable of winning the league at the moment. I mean, everyone accepts that. You know, Jurgen Klopp could go to Tottenham and play, you know, dream heavy metal attacking football or whatever and, and not win the league. No one's going to win the league with that current Tottenham team. You know, that that shouldn't be the 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 standard for Conte this season. Um but 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 more generally about Conte, there's no there's no ceiling. Like Antonio Conte has proved repeatedly that he can win titles with this style of play. He's proved it in Italy. I mean how many titles has he won in Italy? He's had four titles now, three with Juventus and uh, I'm not sure if it's if he actually won three titles with Juventus, but he definitely won one with Inter just uh, yeah, last season. Yeah, just checking with, here. It's three with Juve and then the Inter one. Three with Juventus and then another with Inter with 91 points and another in England with Chelsea uh, when he wasn't expected to do it, when they had a pretty bad start to the season until he decided to rejig the team away from their previous style towards his style. Um, and they got, I think, 93 points that season, which is more points than Liverpool are going to get this season. You know, playing Tiago ball, like <laughs> you know, so 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 for, so it doesn't. It makes no sense to say this about about Conte. What Conte does works. Now, is Conte? Now I know that you can say, well, you might you might be thinking, oh, well, hang on, were you not criticizing Frank Lampard and Everton for being defensive and sitting back, blah blah blah? But what Conte is doing is not that. I mean, he it is that, but it's it's stupid to characterize what they do as. As Klopp says here, 
block all the balls, you know, uh, sit back. That's, I mean, that is what they're doing, yes. That is what they're doing when you've got the ball. But when they've got, watch what they're doing when they've got the ball. Maybe it doesn't happen that often, but when they've got the ball, what you're seeing is a really, really organized team that has a lot of ideas, which the coach has drilled into them and which they're going to try and use to open you up and hurt you. And yeah, I, I don't think there was a better example of it, of, of a training ground goal all season than the one that Tottenham scored against Man City Um it was not Son, it was Kulosevsky. Remember that yeah. when, when they beat Man City? And yeah. it was just like an absolute, it, it, it was like a, a clockwork mechanism or, you know, sort of, it was completely choreographed and pre-programmed and Man, Man City couldn't do anything about it. You know, or rather, Man City didn't recognize what was happening until it was too late to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like a ball from, Lur- was it? I can't remember if it was actually Lloris or someone else who passed it to Ben Davis. Ben Davis is sort of left back. He's actually a center back in this, uh, left center back, but he then plays a quick ball into midfield. And what's happened in midfield is that Son, who maybe initially looked like he might be the target for the type of pass that Ben Davis is playing, has made a curved run, is now running is now, has now run, starts running towards Davis and then peels back and is now running into the city half. And Harry Kane has moved into the space that Son has vacated. This has taken Rodri out of the game. Rodri is like the, the guy who makes City's whole midfield work. The ball goes to Kane, immediate ball through to Son. Uh, and Son knows that Kulisevsky on the other side is going to be running with him and doesn't even really have to look to know that there's a, there's a player there in support that he can lay it off to, to tap it in. Like, it was... You know, it was a brilliant goal, and this is, it was a very, very typically Antonio Conte moment. What I think elevates Conte above uh, a manager like, say, Jose Mourinho, who is, uh, who has in his time managed, actually, he's managed some of the same teams. Um, he's, you know, he's won titles, you know, with Inter, with, uh, with Chelsea, with Real Madrid. And he also is a guy who has obtained high points totals and scored a lot of goals, similar to the Conte mm teams in those cases I, I tend to think well you know if you have Ronaldo in the in the Spanish league you will score a lot of goals and you will you know you know what I mean um uh, but what I feel the difference between his teams and Conte's is I've never I don't see with Mourinho's teams the evidence of this type of um this type of choreographed build-up play I often I, I mean as far and when I when I say build-up play I mean um how do you when you've got the ball how do you, uh, in just a couple of passes, create a good chance for your strikers? That's literally what Conte is thinking about the whole time. And I, f- I feel like his teams can cont- consistently do that. Whereas R- with Mourinho, and they don't play, like Klopp is saying, okay, it's fine to play like, like that against us, you know, but like, pff, good luck to you against Burnley or whatever. That's the, that's, the, that's, the, um, that's the logic of what Klopp is saying. But they don't play the same way in those games. This is the point. Conte will change, uh, Conte will change the approach um, when they're playing against a team that isn't going to have the ball and is going to sit back and, and try and defend the space. He, he'll change it, um, which I think makes him more flexible than, you know, some of these uh, Mourinho or whatever I was talking about. Yeah, I think it would also be madness not to use, if you've got Harry Kane and Son in your team, it'd be madness not to devise some sort of plan to get them released on the counter-attack. Hmm. Um, you know, whatever about uh, comparisons to Mourinho. Like, Klopp is being sore, obviously. I, I agree with you in the sense that I don't think it stacks up. I don't think it's much of a you know I don't think it's exactly I, I, I would say Conte would be actually quite happy hearing that I don't know I don't, oh, I don't think he I'm would feel to, yeah yeah I'd say it's like okay I've got under his skin here he knows what's happened and yeah. we know what's happened we've gotten the deserve point and yeah. he's just he's just been a bit of a sore loser absolutely and you know and and 
when when Jurgen Klopp is sitting down at the end of this season uh, with not Michael Edwards, his now departing sporting director, but uh, is it Julian Ward, the successor, and they've got to figure out what what why didn't we win the league this year? Um, you got to look at their results against the the best teams. You know, I mean, I, you could say, well, you know, throwing away a two goal was it a two goal lead against Brighton at home? That was that was not a good moment. Um, but really, they didn't beat Chelsea, they didn't beat Man City, and they didn't beat Tottenham at any point. You know, six games, six draws, and you know that's just that's just not good enough, really. I mean, you're gonna have to at some point. You have to kind of take advantage of these games against your rivals you have to sort of put the boot down in those games it used to be good enough you know six games six draws six wins six draws sounds actually quite impressive but obviously we know it's not in the in the man said in this era of manchester city you you basically can't afford to drop those sort of points but just an email from daniel turpin on this last week please have a few minutes on neville's contention that klopp's bitter comments after the spurs game prove united were right not to go for conte honestly i wonder is neville part of the problem and not the solution <laughs> the level of delusion is a sight to behold gets just a man united thing says daniel well <laughs> I, I i mean I, I felt that that gary neville was just sort of opportunistically sort of stove piping a, 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 an event like or he was kind of taking advantage of um something which happened to suit him in the moment you know the, the fact that klopp was sort of was making these was denigrating content this way and suggesting this isn't really suitable for a top team or whatever uh, and Neville, I don't, I don't remember Neville spelling it out in the same terms that Klopp has used when he was saying he wouldn't have Conte. He, he, you know, he'd speak about it in quite a vague way. He's not a Man United manager. You know, you know what I mean. Well, I mean, he's not literally a Man United manager. But what does that actually mean? You know, and I, I was, I don't think Neville really said it as clearly or made a case, made the same case that Klopp has. I think he was just sort of saying, well, look, you know, Klopp says it, and you know, he's good, mm-hmm. isn't he? So, um, he, I saw he then. Um, Carragher then pointed out to Neville, well, hang on, you, you were, you've were you been demanding Simeone, <laughs> but Conte is too negative or whatever. I mean, Simeone literally, it, it, Klopp mentioned Atletico Madrid in the same sort of, in the same breath as he was criticizing Conte the other night. And uh, Neville sort of said, well, that's different, 4-4-2, you know, that's United. <laughs> so I don't know if it's, I mean, is he, is he part of the problem? I mean, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say Gary Neville is part of the problem at Man United, but definitely the, um, the sort of the media, uh, the the media noise around the club has been a big problem. Definitely, we we, we were spared the ninety minutes of Gary Neville on co-commentary. If that had been a Sunday game, or if Neville yeah. had been on co-commentary, and uh, instead it was Alan Smith, who was you know for all his strengths as a commentator, isn't gonna. Uh, but people probably don't get as worked up about anything Alan Smith is going to say about Manchester United as Gary no, Neville. He he's he just calling them spineless and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't get as worked up either, Alan Smith. That's the other point, yeah. He's a, he's yeah. a, bit, a bit more calm about but it. But I so mean, well, United are a team, obviously, who are, who are exquisitely attuned to um, the everything that's been said about them. Uh, you know, like, it seems like most of the club is... 
you know the way like a, an animal's brain or whatever it has like larger parts devoted to the bits that like a dog the part of a dog's brain that's devoted to smell is like you know much bigger well the united brain is like mostly just attuned to what are people saying about us on social media <laughs> yeah. and so it, that and that's obviously loudly conditioned or largely conditioned by um you know neville is one of the loudest voices sort of setting the setting the agenda there and united's problem i think has been a failure to have any sort of private uh, or internal standards by which to judge what they're doing such that they're always they always seem to be taking taking their direction from oh what are people saying about us today you know what i mean well this is the twitter digest or this is this is what's been this is what's been said about us this is the discourse today like what can we do which has led to this sort of constant sort of short-termism and blah 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 you know they, they haven't really had like a, a way of saying look are we actually doing well despite what everyone outside the club thinks are we doing this well are we doing that well um, that's where they've been falling down. Maybe this is what Eric Ten Hag is going to change. Anyway, as I said, we're not going to talk about that. We're down the Man United rabbit hole again. Yeah, what about what about City? What about this other manager who was talking smack this weekend? Well, I mean, here is uh, here here is Pep Guardiola. Um, I mean, I, I watched Guardiola's conference on Friday, which is which was very interesting. And you know, we can talk about some of the stuff he he mentioned because he he got quite philosophical in that. Um, but uh, in the aftermath of the 5-0 win against Newcastle, Newcastle very disappointing, I thought, you know, considering uh, considering the, their good results under Eddie Howe. But if you look at the, the good results under Eddie Howe have all been against sort of, you know, they've killed a lot of rabbits, Newcastle. They've got a belt full of rabbit skins. But every time they play against a, um, a big, uh, uh, one of the top six, they lose. Uh, well, it's 10, it's 10 defeats in 11, which is very Bournemouth. Uh, type of record but 5-0 it was um, a good result for Manchester City but uh, afterwards Pep Guardiola only had one thing on his mind well, One week ago nobody even been in front, everyone in this country support Liverpool, the media and everyone so uh, of course because Liverpool has an incredible history behind in Europe competitions and not in Premier Leagues in the, because won one in 30 years but uh, but uh, it's not problem at all so um, the situation is what it is. Is we have to do nine nine points or maybe six right now. It depends of the, what's going to happen next two games in terms of goal difference. But uh, uh, now it's Wednesday is the real, 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 real final for us. So I mean, is this a is this a mind game? I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> How would you? Uh, what do you think Pep's up to here? Why is, he, why is he saying this? I think I don't know if it's a mind game. He might genuinely feel it, which doesn't mean it's correct well I, I i imagine city's uh marketing department have to be on to him saying pep you gotta shut up like why you, why do you keep saying they've got way more fans than us everyone supports them because we made 70 million more than them in sponsorship last year so you know like the it it doesn't it sort of makes our position look strange you know apparently there's apparently there's a team that's got way more supporters than us and everyone supports who we're but we're much the much hotter commercial property. Well, he's uh, talking more in the media, right, and the ex-players and all the. Well, of he stuff. said everyone, everyone in the country, and also around, he goes on actually because the the, the um, journalist there for being sports asks him again, "Are you serious? Do you do you really believe this?" Liverpool, alongside United, is the most important teams I've done in all history in terms of titles, legacies, history, dramas. Uh, for many many things and but we are since the last 10 11 12 years being there I know we are sometimes uncomfortable but uh, but I don't care <laughs> if the people want more win Liverpool than us it's not 
the issues. It's normal. So maybe I'm more supporters in all around the world, for sure, and here in England support more Liverpool than us. But this is not the question. The question is, today, before the start of the game, the people cheering and supporting us, I think, more than ever in one home game, because they know that uh, even being out for the Champions League, we can rely on this and these players, and the support was amazing, and and hopefully we can arrive in the last game here with a chance, you know, to be, you know, to be, to be champion. Yeah, okay, but he is talking about supporters around the world there, not just, not just yeah. people in TV studios. Well, you know, Liverpool obviously do have more supporters than Manchester City. I mean, this is this is obvious, but I think they also have more uh, haters than Manchester City. You know, in the sense that, like, um, oh, do they? Oh, I think so. Oh, Man City ab- have a absolutely. Uh, I mean, Man City have a lot of haters. Oh, uh, I think. I mean, come on. I, do you think that Man City have a lot? Man City have a lot of people writing writing articles about how they're not a great team, as I saw in the Irish Times this morning, about how they don't make journalists feel anything. Well, that was I me. Read again. In the Irish Times a few months ago, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just present company included. Well, look. Okay. I mean, you you. you 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 seem to be you're bringing up historical stuff. Well, one you, was just dredged, this morning. I read I read it 15 minutes ago. But you've go on. you've dredged up historical articles. Uh, you've dredged up historical articles. But what I would say is that uh, I mean, what, okay, what, what do you think about that? Do you think that you need to win the Champions League to be a great thing? Because this is what this was what Pep was getting into in his in his um, press conference on Friday. He was kind of like, look, if people want to say we're failures because we didn't win the Champions League, fine. It's totally wrong. You know, I don't accept it for one, for or I accept it, but I totally disagree with it. Now, to say Manchester City, this team and this team and these managers are failures, it's clearly it's clearly nonsense. They're not failures. I mean, they're top manager, top players, and so on and so forth. But if they don't win the Champions League, if Guardiola doesn't win it in his time at the club, is that a failure? It's a fail. There are two different questions. Yeah, yes. that is a failure. I yeah. don't. But the first question I ask is: Are they a great team? Yeah, I think they are a great team. Well, why don't, why don't they? Re- why don't they forget the Champions it? League? Can feel the points totals? Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Premier League. Well, just weigh the points total. Yeah, I mean, but like this, I think this is kind of an interesting element of this debate. I mean, and I know the debate is a bit like uh, is is a bit. You get people who have won uh, the Champions League saying, oh, the Champions League is more important and people who have mainly won the league saying, oh, the league is more important. Um, no, but do you need to be, win the Champions League to be a great team is, is what you're asking there. I mean, I don't, yeah, the, like Brazil, was the, was the, the was Brazil the 1970 team. team, team, team a, to, a great team was the Porto No, 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 that's, a, a that's, that's the other way around. That's, that's the other way around. That's like saying, are you automatically a great team if you win the Champions League? And the answer is no. I mean, you know, then, you know, because there are, there are some fairly ordinary teams that have managed to do that you know i mean i think it was a chelsea team that won it the first time around 2012 you know it was not when they finished fifth in the league i think you know liverpool did the same thing in 2005 real madrid you know won the won the champions league in 2000 with the team i think that again finished fifth you know th- this sort of thing has happened a few times um i don't think that necessarily winning it automatically may you know say, oh, well you're great you know we'll put that badge on you but I do feel that if you want to be considered a great team, and in the fullness of time, you know, in in uh, such that when you're looking back, when you look back from the from the sort of historic point of view, that's what counts. I mean, that's what if you if you haven't done that, then people are like, well, why not? Why didn't they do? It? They couldn't have been that. They couldn't have been that good. This is another. This is another way of framing the debate that was on Sky yesterday. 
about what's more important Premier League or Champions League is would you consider the Liverpool team a great team regardless of whether or not they win the Champions League final this year because they, they have won it I think history will, will say yes even though Man City keep keep finding a way bar one season to, to lose in the Champions League yeah, to hold, to hold this Liverpool team off. If, you, if you're saying this Liverpool team is a great team and yet Man City almost every year finish above them in the Premier League, by definition, surely that makes Man City, Manchester City a great team. Well, they've, you know, they, they need to prove it. You know, they need to actually win. Because this, is, this, this goes back to a question about, about sport. Like, like Guardiola was talking about, why, you know, why does this happen to us? Uh, and not in the Premier League, and we, you know we're so. And again, it was just sort of back to back to normal in the Premier League. You know, five nil against the like they've scored seventeen goals in the last four matches against in the Premier League. So this is how they've turned turned the goal difference completely. They've just absolutely combined harvested a, a, a series of teams, you know. And we've seen them do this so much, and yet this this they seize up against Real Madrid. And Guardiola's like, well, in the Premier League, the players know you're going to have another game and another game and another game. But in this competition, he means meaning the Champions League. Then it's and then he starts tapping his watch and he's like, you know, it's it's time. And, and then, you know, it's, it happens immediately. And, ah, you know, and it's kind of the, 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 the implication that I sometimes get from Guardiola or from, from people at City. Like I saw De Bruyne talking about this. And I've seen Roy Keane actually make a similar point recently. He was arguing with Carragher about it um, a few weeks back. Uh, saying, look, the league is the most important. The league is week in, week out. You know, it's it's what you do. It's like the standards you set. That's that's why it's the biggest competition to win. And I'm kind of like, is it though? Is that really what we're what we're measuring? De Bruyne made this similar point. Look, the league is you know we're there. Um, for me, it's the league first, then the Champions League. Although he did, he did then say in the same interview, I'd rather win the Champions League now because I haven't won it. Mm. Um, but in terms of what he considered more important, the league, because again, it was this idea of kind of consistency. But like consistency is not consistency is one aspect I think of of greatness. It's not like is it is it is it even the main one? Is it the main one? I mean, were, were people saying, uh, you know, we can't consider Muhammad Ali great until he beats um, George Foreman week in week out? No, like I mean, ah, boxing is the most ridiculous comparison when you fight w- once or twice a year. But 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 yeah, but but in all big times, I think all of the biggest moments, the biggest events in sport always have that element of this is the moment it has to happen here it has to happen now there is no next weekend there is no oh we'll dust ourselves off and go again this is the moment this is when it has to happen and that's that's what's being measured in these Champions League games now I know there is another moment it comes next year you know the Champions League is an annual competition it still feels a long way off on the night right you know what I mean it's not like the it's not like the World Cup or the Olympics where it's four years but it's still it's a you know it's not it's not like a league competition either like I I, I just feel as though that but, is but, a, but, it, but it's like you're almost punishing Manchester City in, in your opinion there for the way the league is structured you know the league is structured to re- reward consistency and they have shown their greatness in, in doing that and in racking up those league titles I don't feel they should necessarily be they have be shown punished. their greatness they have shown their greatness in humdrum and uh, you know, humdrum uh, the challenge of winning league games that don't have a lot of pressure on them well, they they can win any, any, they can win, the game against Liverpool had huge pressure recently and, and okay they didn't actually win that <laughs> they didn't <laughs> but, win that and they lost they, they, they lost they the cup well. game they lost the cup game. They lost the, they lost the cup game to Chelsea last it's season. Not a great they lost. Cup team, they lost the Champions League final to Chelsea last season, and they're clearly a better team than Chelsea. But they still lost to them because they can't handle because of the it's pressure. A, it's, it's Guardiola's literally flaw. saying it. Can't handle the pressure. But, yeah, they, it's, but that's literally what, what Guardiola said. They know in the in the in the league. They know there's another game. Whereas in this, you know, the watch, the pressure. Oh no, it's got. Oh oh, and then it's gone. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
you know and uh, but it's like this like uh, that for me that that does count count against them it suggests a kind of a limitedness you know an inability to cope with this that's that's a problem oh and they they absolutely do like i agree they i agree with a lot of ways they definitely need to win a champions league to end this kind of conversation and i think even if they just even they just win one of course they've got none so one one is a lot better than that at least then it's just you can't throw that in them anymore and that's gone and all these all these theories look would look dated at that point but yeah until they until they do it i suppose uh you're gonna have your ken erdies on here talking about their inability the inability this great you just i mean because because there's this whole thing like like guardiola saying like uh oh if if Jack scores, you know, then the team has character, but Courtois saves, so no character. Or, you know, if Adrian saves from Correa in the previous rounds, then, no, oh, the team has character, but if Correa scores, then, no, oh, it's no good, no character. And so he's pointing to this sort of absurdity of, like, retrospectively saying, this was a success, this was a failure. And actually, the only difference between the two things is, like, a couple of centimeters. And you're like, yeah, but at the same time, that's kind of the linear reality we live in. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe there's a parallel universe in which you have won the Champions League. <laughs> but like in the one that we all seem to be in, I mean, the one you, haven't, you haven't actually done it. You know, in the, as, as head of the most, you know, he's not, he's not there to be like kind of a guy, like a self-help guy who's like teaching people how to cope with like disappointment in life. You know, failure is an illusion, you know, mm. <laughs> treat these two imposters. That's not what Pep is paid 20 million a year for. No, like, he's, you know, he's no, paid but to he's win. A, yeah, he's paid he's to a, deliver. What, what do you want him to say? He's in a press conference two days after losing that and the day before having to win a Premier League match. He's, he's hardly going to say, yes, I am a failure. We are a bunch of losers in the Champions League and we might never win the whole thing and it's destroyed my Well, he didn't actually speak to, he didn't speak to the players, you know, after the, after the thing. It was quite interesting, actually, that they said, uh, right, so, you know, what have you said to the boys kind of thing? This was on Friday. Nothing. I was like, what, nothing, really? And he said, yeah, no, I haven't talked to them. You know, what can I say? Yeah, it's kind of like, well, Mm -hmm. there are, you could have tried to find the words. I'm sure they, um, they had a chat anyway in training that day and sure. uh you know obviously um they they got back into the groove uh comfortable enough against newcastle uh so we'll see um we'll see what happens but look there's a lot of other stuff going on go on a lot of other stuff uh you know we talked about declan rice you know, declan rice is one of the opponents coming up for for manchester city um there had been uh, there had been speculation that, you know, with the final, or with, rather with the game between West Ham and Manchester City, um, the final home game of the season for West Ham, uh, coming so close before the Europa League final, that um, David Moyes might, let's say, in you know, I picked the team that was right for the game. Sort mm. of thing. Uh, but actually, uh, that's not going to be a problem. Uh, because West Ham are not in that final. This is their last uh, home game. This is the last chance for them to commune with their supporters. This is the last chance for Declan Rice to show perhaps that he belongs on the on a bigger stage. Uh, after the chance to uh, play in the in the you know in Seville in the in the Europa League final was so cruelly stolen from him by the referee in Frankfurt. And we did mention his, his comments after the game where he was, I don't like having to listen to this other team singing and celebrating. Uh, but what we hadn't seen at that point was Tunnel Cam, uh, which shows <laughs> Declan Rice, and he, he'll be the voice that you hear here, storming in and trying to get to the referee uh, and just to tell him what he thought of his performance. Ref! Ref! 
right, it's so bad. How can you be that bad? Honestly, probably been fing paid. Option. so there you go <laughs> rice then has put out like a, a thing on uh, social media saying oh you know that football can get like that uh, you know i've moved on and you're like well i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure it's necessarily up to you but we'll see if anything arises from it it is interesting yeah. though just the the you know to, that he would use the c word there uh about the referee um it, I, it is something I, I've, I think we see a lot more of these days, just just open allegations of corruption. I did, did you see the Atletico Madrid F- Also false allegations, we should just we should just stress there in case this uh, the, this recording ever ends up in the ears of the referee. But yeah, yeah. Like you well, said, we'll see if anything comes from Declan Rice. What, what, what were you going to say? I mean, say the, the only thing, the, refer- the, the, the major questionable moment in the game the referee had was trying to let Cresswell off with a yellow card for his professional foul, you know, and he was then like forced to reconsider that. And this is what Rice, Rice was already so angry with the ref in the first half he got booked for dissent in the first half and it was one of those where you can't hear what the players are saying but you just knew from the way that Rice ran past the ref and said something to him you're like that's a booking <laughs> that's a def- that's a, I don't even need to know what he said there to know that that was definitely a yellow card um but uh, yeah the Atletico fans strung up a banner on on the their stadium because there was this whole thing of um are they going to give a guard of honor to Real Madrid who are um the league champions and Simeone was like, "No, we're not going to do that." I, I think that's bullshit. Like he, so he thinks uh, guards of honor are, are are bullshit, just like post match handshakes and all this. And uh, so they then put up a banner saying, "Between the press and the referees, they've had a 120 year long guard of honor." <laughs> was the banner? <laughs> was the banner saluting or that the Atletico fans had put up for Madrid? Like that, like their entire history has just been one long guard of honor with the authorities forming, a, you know, on either side and clapping them through. So uh, that's just the way they, yeah, that's just the way they felt about it. But um, we can't finish this without mentioning uh, Super Frank Lampard. Ah, oh. uh, he's done. He's. It looks like he's done it, Owen. Well, I wouldn't go that far. No. Well, I mean, Coach Marsh. Coach Marsh's leads are taking on water fast. Owen, they're um, taking on water. They they are still just Burnley. one point behind Everton. But uh, in fairness, and, and a spare and a spare game, spare game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, certainly they're in pole position now to roar back up to. 15th place and I do I think it was Lampard was up um, to the Everton fans at the end of the game I don't know if you saw it it was quite, it was sort of quite a protracted scene um, of Lampard going up and really giving it you know yes we've done it this was after their their defeat of Leicester which again was so more outstanding uh, Jordan Pickford saves and uh, you know it was enough so so considering the, the state of the situation they were in like two matches ago you know that when it really looks as though they were the, they were the ones who were who were going to go down. Mm-hmm. He has he has done it, and what he has done well, he hasn't done it yet, but he it looks very much like he has, and it does seem as though uh, the the situation is creating a bond between Lampard and the the hardcore Everton fans. You know, he's uh, you know when you when you go through trial by fire, um, you know it's a bit of. Uh, it's uh, maybe something special that's taking place. On we'll have to see if they stay up, but maybe uh, this—it uh, turns out this unlikely alliance has got a longer future than we suspected. People are tweeting me stuff like, "Oh my god, world, he's a World Cup winner! Like, how many World Cups have you won?" Oh my god! I'm like, David Silva, World Cup winner. I was at that World Cup. 
I don't remember seeing much of David Silva. I'm like, let's look up David Silva's World Cup record. Hmm, David Silva, hmm. Played like the first hour against Switzerland. Hmm, what did he do in the next game? Hmm, didn't get on. What about the next game? Didn't get on. What about the second round? Didn't get on. What about the quarterfinal? Didn't get on. What about the semifinal? Oh, he didn't get on. What about the final? Can you believe it? He didn't get on. Now we're sitting on the sidelines, sitting on, sitting on your arse in the sidelines, watching a team win the World Cup, makes you a World Cup winner. Then you're speaking to a five-time World Cup winner. So put some respect, put some respect on my name. I've won five World Cups by David Silva's standards. Five. Too hot for TV, for cheesy. Too many wanna be Harvey Easy. It's all in the cover, going all out together. It don't take much. They are the problem. Humanity is the actual problem. If it wasn't for these insanely selfish, obscenely stupid creatures, this planet would actually be in balance. Put your respect on my name! John Bruin and Jack Pitbrook on this week to talk about two managers, neither of whom lost in uh, in style, it could be said, at the weekend. Well, neither of them lost full stop, actually. Um, Pep Guardiola had a comfortable win with Man City and Liverpool only drew their game, but it's enough to pretty much blow the title Jack, is that why you think Jurgen Klopp was so disparaging? Or do you believe he was being disparaging when he when he seemed to critique Antonio Conte's game plan after the game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that he was being disparaging. It was a classic example of uh, the kind of football manager's disingenuous, I respect all styles of play, but um, type of thing, which we have heard in the past from Guardiola. I mean, clearly the inference of what he said was, I I would never play that way. It's far beneath me. Um, it's also you know something that we have seen a bit in the past from Klopp. Like as much as he is a you know a very warm, positive, great guy who commands huge amounts of love from the Liverpool fans and respect from people, he's also a really bad loser. I would say the worst loser in English football at the moment. Oh, wow! Wow! Well, Do you well. not think, Ken? I don't know if he's the absolute worst. He's he's definitely very bad though. I I agree with what you're saying. I mean, the, you know his, uh, his the you know the idea that people have of him as this sort of warm and engaging character has a lot to do with winning nearly every week. Uh, if if there was a few more games like uh, Saturday night, we might have a slightly more mixed impression. Well, yeah, because Liverpool is so good, it only comes out once or twice a year. But when it does, it's it's pretty obvious. And um, I I think he was just obviously very pissed off about the about the result the fact that it makes it much harder for Liverpool to catch City and to win the title and therefore the quadruple is almost certainly off the cards um because I actually think his I mean his criticisms of Tottenham were pretty kind of nonsense really do you think so yeah why well I just think I mean one it's not up to him how Tottenham play two Tottenham are not Tottenham don't just park the bus they've scored a lot of goals since Conte's come in and, like, what does he want them to do? Does he want them to just play high up the pitch and let Salah and Mane run in behind? You know, it's, it's kind of a bizarre... It's just a really odd and weird thing for him to say. Um, but, you know, lots of people say this. It's, uh, my colleague Charlie Eccleshire, who, was, who actually asked the question which prompted uh, Klopp's rant on Saturday's written a piece today, saying it's a bit like Arsene Wenger, who, of course, used to used to talk a, a bit like this mm-hmm. uh, when Arsenal lost. So it, it's, it's nothing new in football, but it's, it's always quite funny when you see it. If you're Antonio Conte, John, could you see this as a backhanded compliment in some ways? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I wasn't mystified by the comments because, as Jack said and as Ken said, we have seen this from Jurgen Klopp. Um, we used to see it a lot when he was at Dortmund, didn't we, towards the end of his time there, that final season, 
when things were going a little bit wrong, there were there were lots of those losses of tempers. I know um, Rafi Honigsteiner advised us all that we might see that when he came here. We haven't actually seen it that often, but uh, that's because Liverpool have been so good over the last few years. Uh, but yeah, in, in terms of Conte... Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I, I, I've I've seen a couple of their games recently. Tottenham, I saw them lose to Brighton, draw with Brentford. They were hugely disappointing in both those games. I don't think they got a shot on target 180 minutes. In this game, they could have actually won, of course, if uh, Heoberg hadn't have done what... I'm not quite sure what he was trying to do there. You know, he sort of headed it back across goal. Um they could have won that game, uh, and I think Conte might have been a little disappointed they didn't pull off a, a smash and grab, as as you call it. Um, I think, listen, uh, with with Tottenham, um, I, I was just thinking about what's the difference between Tottenham now and Tottenham when they were very good under Poch, and I think there is that that strength in midfield, really. Um, uh, they don't have a player like Moussa Dembele, uh, and... You're relying on Sun, who's been brilliant this season. You're relying on Kane, uh, and you're relying on your players digging in. And I think they did a pretty good job against Liverpool. You could say Liverpool looked a bit jaded, a bit lacking in ideas. Uh, and towards the end, um, Jurgen Klopp can talk about teams being uh, negative against them, but there was an awful lot of getting it launched towards the end of that game, wasn't there, from <laughs> Liverpool? <laughs> So, you know, the route one is the, you know, and City did that against Real Madrid the week before. Get it launched is always the way. So, uh, yeah, eventually everybody breaks down to that sort of uh, football, don't they, in the end? I'm trying to think, Ken, I know you're trying to come in there, but I'm trying to think of the rivals to Klopp for the worst losers. I mean, Tuchel, uh, Pep. Um, There's a few out there. Well, I don't know if Pep, I mean, Pep is. Uh, he lost, he lost, he lost a fair bit of dignity about, the other night before before he started laying loose. I mean, I would say, I would say Conte, Conte yeah. himself, yeah, Conte, yeah, yeah. Conte's a pretty, Conte's a pretty bad loser, and um, you know, he's done, he's done more of it than he than he's used to with Tottenham. Uh, I mean, I know we were talking to you about this the last time you were on, Jack. But is there any more kind of updates yet on on what he's going to do? I mean, I think in this in this particular instance, what what Klopp was saying was just was basically sour grapes from him in the in the context of I've my you know we've just blown the title, and I wish this team had just got out of the way, you know. And I think that was sort of that was sort of coming through a little bit. And you know, when you look at Conte, I mean, Klopp mentioned that the the good record they have. I mean, they beat City twice. Liverpool couldn't do that. Um, but you know, uh, there's still four points behind Arsenal, um, and if they don't make it to the Champions League, uh, and at the moment you'd have to say Arsenal are favourites to get there ahead of them. Is he? Uh, do you think going to stick around, Jack? And and just uh, uh, just sort of a supplement to that one is that since I think we spoke to you last time, the Haaland to City deal. I don't want to say it's confirmed, but it does look it does look a lot like it. And if that happens, then that means the Kane to City um, deal, which dominated last summer, uh, is probably not going to happen. So, what do you think is 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 in the future, the immediate future for Conte and for Kane? In terms of how Conte compares to Klopp as a loser, at least when Conte's a bad loser, he often blames himself. Whereas when Klopp's a bad loser, he seems to blame the opposition for for not allowing him to, him to beat them. Well, he, I um, mean, he seems to have done a fair amount of of uh, questioning whether the club is really good enough to for a manager such as Antonio Conte. Has he not? 
<laughs> uh, well, after, after the Burnley game, he did. He, I think he was he was blaming himself. But uh, anyway, back to the in terms of Conte's future. I I mean, I look. I agree. I think it's unlikely at this point that they will get fourth. I mean, they would have to beat Arsenal and for Arsenal to drop points in one of their, in one of their other games. It increasingly looks like Everton will be mathematically safe on the final day of the season, which would make that game in theory easier for Arsenal. So. I wouldn't bet on Tottenham getting fourth at the moment. But I have to say, I, I, I really have the impression that this week will have done a lot for wanting Conte to stay at Tottenham. Just because he's so... he, This is kind of why he took the job. You know, he spent the whole week working on his tactics to go face-to-face, as he puts it, against the best team in the world. And he, he got to go to Anfield. He got to, you know, in, in the technical area next to Klopp. He came up with a brilliant tactical plan. He almost won. He could have won the game. He actually drew the game. He managed to have a say in the title race. He, t- to use the language of the internet, he completely rattled Klopp mm. afterwards, which I'm sure he would have taken great pleasure Boyle from. is absolute piss. He, he, he certainly has. He yeah. certainly has. Yeah. And I think for, for Conte, I imagine Conte takes a great deal of pride and validation from that. And he's probably thinking, well, you know, if he goes to ma- if he goes to manage PSG this summer, which I think is a, a possibility, but probably not likely, would it be quite as fun to rattle Bruno Genesio and Christophe Gautier? <laughs> like, like it's a lot more. Like th- this is kind of this is why people want to work in the Premier League because they get to take on Pe- Pep and Klopp every you know twice a season at least. And so I think even if they come, I don't think it's automatic that if they come fifth, he'll walk. I think. A lot of it will depend on what offers he's got. A lot of it will depend on what position they finish. Some of it will depend on what players they can sign. You know, Daniel Levy says they're able to sign in the summer. But I think after this week and seeing how kind of invigorated Conte looked by the challenge of of the Liverpool game, I actually think he's likely to stay. In terms of Kane, well, I mean, Kane's situation is slightly different because he's got well, he's got two years left in his contract. Conte's got one year left in his contract. Um, obviously, it's, you know, players can't and don't resign from contracts so it's not really in, it's not in Kane's hands in quite the way it's in Conte's hands um City I think we're never going to come back in for Kane this summer Haaland or no Haaland I don't think City enjoyed the transfer saga with Kane last year getting a you know, kind of public row with Tottenham and uh they thought it was just it was too messy too difficult so that was never going to be a starter I think the one the one team who want who want Kane this summer is Manchester United um they he 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 is one of their priorities. I think the chances of Daniel Levy selling Kane to Man United are practically zero. Um, why? Not because it would. He why would he sell his best player to a team below him in the league who are probably going to finish more or less around them if the price was right. Season. If the if the price was right, you know. Um, I can't. I I just can't say it. I I think Levy would rather. I, I'm, I, you know, I could be surprised by this if Man United well, come I, in I mean, with 50 my, million quid. My question about that is, why would Harry Kane join Man United? I mean, he's too old to join Man United. <laughs> you know, like I mean, it, he doesn't. He maybe doesn't have enough seasons left to be sure that, like, he would he would one day play in a good Man United team. So I, I can't imagine he'd be too excited about that prospect. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think Kane Kane saying to Levy, "I want to go to City because they're the best team in the world." That's a stronger argument than Kane saying, "I want to go to Man United because they'll, they'll maybe wages. pay me a, they'll pay me a bit more, and I'm kind of bored here." Yeah. So I, I think I'm I'm sure he'll stay. I'm like I, I'm I'm I I think I increasingly think Conte will stay, and I'm certain that Kane will stay that's, at this point. That's all pretty good news for Tottenham, uh, John. I wonder if I wonder what your opinion is. Uh, if if Klopp's comments about you know Conte's style and all this um, were were sour grapes, as I was suggesting, 
what do you think underlay uh, Pep Guardiola's post-match, post-match remarks uh, in the, the golden afterglow of a 5-0 win? Uh, and he gave some interviews. I mean, he accused one of the journalists. I don't know if, if James Tucker is a Liverpool fan, but maybe uh, he, he supports Manchester United. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, yeah. he, he suggested James Tucker is a Man United. Well, you know, he, he's you know he once was a Man United supporter. He's now obviously a journalist. Well, obviously, yeah, he's uh, completely free of any bias, as, 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 as is the case with all of us. Yes. Of course, yeah, he said that he was a Liverpool fan, and then he was he was on being Sports saying everyone in this country supports Liverpool. <laughs> so I saw Jonathan Liu. Charles Lewis tweet, which I thought was pretty accurate. Uh, our next caller is Pep from Manchester. Pep, what's on your mind? <laughs> you know? He's just going on about how everyone supports Liverpool, the media. I mean, I know that's not true. Uh, I mean, we we all know this this isn't true. Why is Pep saying it? Um. Well, uh, uh, I, I suppose that Manchester City uh, in itself still has this this beating rebel heart, doesn't it? And uh, it and and that's not changed since uh, because of the, the Abu Dhabi takeover. That's been part of the club for as long as I can remember, which is now about forty years of watching football. Um, City have always had that that outsider status, and I suppose the Abu Dhabi thing took it that that nth degree further. And Pep Guardiola is now part of that now. I think actually, if you look at the punditry lineup yesterday um, on Sky, you have Michael Richards. He's the City guy. Okay, um, whether Michael Richards is a you know the best representation of Manchester City, that's a, for another day. Uh, and then you have Jamie Carragher, Liverpool through and through. Jamie Redknapp, you've got to say pretty much Liverpool through and through, commentating or a punditry on a game. Uh, in which um, Manchester City played Newcastle United. Could they not have got a Newcastle guy in there? You know, maybe Shea Given or someone who played for both clubs, something like that. Um, and th- th- there is this idea... Maybe uh, maybe uh, Shea recused himself, you know, his with his heart torn in two. Well, like absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what happens to all of us. Uh, you know, even though the money might have been good, Shea just couldn't put himself through So that. you're saying you, you, you actually sympathise with Pep. You think there is a... I, I do think that um, if you were, I mean, Jose Mourinho said this a few years ago, didn't he? That um, he said, you know, when I am old and I retire, I mean, that's he's not quite done that yet. He said, maybe I will go on TV and I will be the Chelsea guy and, and argue for Chelsea because it's all Liverpool and Manchester United. And that's not far wrong, is it? Because you look at BT, there's a lot of ex-Man United players on there. You look at Sky, a lot of ex-Liverpool players on there. I mean, yeah, there is a there are from all all different clubs, but Liverpool and Manchester United uh, do tend to dominate the media. Does that mean that everyone wants Liverpool to win the league and everything? Well, certainly not from where I'm coming from. Of course not. Um, But there is, uh, and Pep did appear to go down the um, fan forum route uh, in which you know everyone is against Manchester City. Every, no one wants Manchester City to win everything. I, I am amazed at the amount of people who have been predicting Liverpool will win the title, even in recent weeks. Yeah, like you know, and, and even um, you know, I do uh, t- TV coverage of the Saturday three o'clock games over here, and uh, 
besides the aforementioned Shea Given, who has been tipping Man City, perhaps unsurprisingly, every other pundit uh, without without any sort of skin in the game has been saying, oh yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool's momentum, Liverpool this, Liverpool that. And every time they say it, I'm like, what are you talking about? Man City would have to slip up and they're not going to. And I actually thought the, the feature in the week made it even less likely they were going to slip up this weekend. So, um, I don't know, there's definitely a leaning, certainly in recent weeks, I've noticed a leaning towards some sort of... Um, some I don't know. There's just there was just this sense that Liverpool are somehow going to win this league, which didn't make a huge. I'm not, I'm not saying all these pundits are being biased towards Liverpool, but I did find it striking in recent weeks how many people were saying Liverpool were the team who were going to win the title when clearly Man City are were are, were, are and will win all the rest of their games. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's wow. Good big call. Well, good. I like it. No, um, I suppose is is it not a thing that I think people maybe the pundits and maybe look at Manchester City and think this maybe isn't the most complete Manchester City team, whereas Liverpool is almost, uh, seems to have a song, stronger squad with the addition of Luis Diaz and maybe not thinking about the way things are going because, yeah, you look at the final three games City have got to play and you'd think, yeah, they'd probably win those and, and win the league. We, we think of City of this this idea of them not having a striker. Well, that's going to be sorted with them signing Haaland. Maybe City aren't as strong as they might be, but are still better than... Liverpool in the league, um, yeah, I, I, but but Liverpool have swept up in other competitions, so so maybe that it, it all adds to that, and people are buying into the, uh, and I hate use, I hate this word, it's always used, and I don't think it, it's the narrative that yeah Liverpool are going to win the quadruple, it's going to be the greatest story of all time. Um, so you think probably, people were people were saying this might happen just because it would be the more exciting and sensational um, uh, outcome rather than City simply closing it out in a. Cityish way, yeah. I think there's something to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I actually don't have. I, I think Pep, the way that he says it, and the way that you know, the when he, when he says those type of things, you know, the eyes are wild, and he has that really intense, you know, and he's scratching and he's nervous and he's fidgety and he's saying this, and you think he's really lost it. I don't think it was quite a. It wasn't quite a Kevin Keegan. No. It was. It was a. He was. He was making a point that I think if you if you go into the Manchester City back office, that will be how they think about things, uh, and if you speak to the Manchester City fans, they certainly think that. And in a way, he was almost pulling the City Nation together. This sort of uh, this siege mentality. The siege mentality is a big part of what we've seen over the Premier League years and before that, of course. Yeah. And we see it with Alex Ferguson. We've seen it with Wenger. That's how it operates, and I, I think Pep, in his own way, was was more controlled than uh, than, than is being portrayed. But um, I mean, some so it, it, he has adapted, I suppose. He has become. He has really, you know. Yesterday, Pep Guardiola truly became a Man City manager. Um, you know, by by kind of be, literally adopting the, the Man City uh, underdog mindset, even though they're no longer really underdogs. But Jack, you you know, when you were saying earlier. You know, Klopp is the biggest loser. We suggested maybe Conte, or the worst loser. Not the biggest loser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the tallest loser. Uh, now, uh, is Guardiola maybe a little bit too comfortable with, with losing these days? I saw his press conference on Friday. This was his, his pre-Newcastle press conference. And what it really was, was, was a sort of considered post-Real Madrid press conference. I have to say, I thought he was very easy on himself. You know what I mean? Like, he... There was all this sort of like, well, you know, is it failure if we if we continually don't win the Champions League? And I was kind of sitting there thinking, yeah, <laughs> I mean, what, that's 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 just what the word means. I mean, there's not necessarily much judgment implicit there. It's just 
it is a failure. You know, you've you failed to achieve your objectives for year after year after year in this competition. That is that's failure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's as ever with with sitting the Champions League. I think each of their defeats, each of their defeats, is explicable from you know the kind of uh, random luck and variance that happens in 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 knockout football and the quality of the opposition. But you put what six consecutive years of them together, and suddenly it, it doesn't look like variance so much anymore. You know, it looks like the, the the brittleness of the team, the lack of game management, the the you know conceding too many goals at, at crucial moments, and not taking their own chances. And so that's why I think you know Guardiola doesn't really deserve any more any more benefit of the doubt when it comes to this kind of when it comes to you know the Real Madrid elimination the other night or any of the other elim- eliminations just because so much of what we saw in that Real Madrid in that Real Madrid game was you know variations on stuff that we've seen in the past whether it was Monaco Tottenham Liverpool Leon uh, Chelsea am I missing one I'm not sure I think that is, or is that the whole run of them uh, uh, yeah I think that's the more yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> because he did say something, Jack, which I thought was extraordinary. Um, I, you know, at some, at some quite early point, someone said to him, "You know, do you think this player, this group of players, is capable of winning? This squad is capable of winning the Champions League?" And his answer was, "I don't know." And I just thought, <laughs> "Really? I mean, I know the answer is yes. They are capable of winning it. I mean, you know, capable of winning it is obviously a different question from have won it. I mean, that seemed to be, I mean, they have, okay, they, ha- they haven't won it. You can't say they have won it yet, but are they capable of winning it? Clearly. I mean, you know, they're, they're finishing ahead of Liverpool and Chelsea. These are two recent winners of this tournament. They're regularly finishing ahead of them, beating them in, in the league play. Clearly they're capable of winning it. So why doesn't he just say it? It's because, I mean, it sounded to me as though to say that puts the pressure on himself. Yeah, completely. Um, I, I mean, if this City squad are not capable of winning it, then I don't see how any any group of players anywhere could be capable of winning it. Like, not only are they what what one of the most expensive squads ever put together, but they're also, they're also about to win their fourth Premier League out of five years. Like, if you know, they are clearly objectively, you know, one of the best, one of the strongest teams ever. Um, I thought the most interesting thing that Guardiola said over the last few days, which speaks to like why maybe City didn't. My, why maybe City didn't win the the tie against Real Madrid was his reference to the the kind of the power of Real Madrid's history, um, and you know the fact that I think he listed Di Stefano, Raúl Puskas, Cristiano Ronaldo as players who'd already done it for Real Madrid, and he suggested that that gave Real Madrid players an extra edge uh, in the crunch moments of that well, tie. Why, why didn't he give them an edge against against Chelsea? You know, like the previous, like that's just such nonsense from Guardiola letting himself off the hook. You know, oh well, what do you expect me to do? They've We're allowed to talk about that, Ken. We're allowed to talk about the ghosts, but the manager of the team probably shouldn't. <laughs> you know, Puskas and De Stefano is there. You know, and and you know, what can we do against that? Well, like Chelsea did. You know, they they beat Real Madrid in the previous in the previous season. You know, Chelsea don't have a history to compare to Real Madrid's, but they do have a team to compare to them right now, which is what matters. I don't know. I actually think I, I thought it. I don't necessarily think that Guardiola was talking nonsense there. Just because, I mean, the fact is that even though Real Madrid lost to Chelsea last year, they do win, they win more than they should at this level. Like, they've won far more Champions Leagues over the last 10 years than you would expect, given, you know, the churn they've had in managers and the holes they've got in their squad and and so on. So I, I I thought the fact that Guardiola would say that about City, because the obvious implication of that is, you know, City players did not feel, 
you know, maybe when City, when Grealish missed that late, that late chance, for example, it was because he didn't have that same weight of history behind him because he was only thinking of, I don't know, Lee Bradbury or whoever. Um, maybe that would, <laughs> maybe for, I mean, for Guardiola to admit that that was a kind of, that this kind of hole or gap exists in Manchester City or this kind of absence, which means that they can't, they don't have that same power behind them in these big matches. I thought that was a really interesting mm. admission of weakness. And it sounded to me like, and I, I, you know, maybe I'm overinterpreting here, but it sounded to me like the kind of thing that he's, that's been on the back of his mind gnawing away at him. And he kind of accidentally let it slip the other day. I love day. it, Jack. I love it. You believe in ghosts and history and all these sort of things. I never used to, but like, I, yeah. having, having watched City, having watched City and screw Real Madrid up in the, the Champions, Champions League, League <laughs> every year over the last, what, six years on the spin, I now think all this, all this stuff is actually true, isn't it? Ah, uh, Ken is seething there on the other, other end of the uh, it's, just, it's just an excuse, John, surely. I mean, it's like, what do you expect me to do? I'm only the Man City manager. Well, yeah, it, it, well... It, there's a bit of a, again, sorry, we mentioned him again, Jose Mourinho, football heritage type of thing there, wasn't yeah. there? Um, everyone, everyone supports Liverpool, except for the ones, except for the, you know, the spiritual realm where everyone is on the side yeah. of the realm. Yeah, you know I mean? so, yeah, so Pep is, become, Pep is becoming Jose, which is, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 all, I'm here for that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, uh, I think, I think there is something, to, there is something to it, you know, because, um, it's difficult to create, uh, you know, the, the idea of the super club, it's really difficult to create that. It took a long time for Chelsea to get there, if you think about it. Winning leagues, they won serial leagues, and then it took... They suffered, didn't they, in the Champions League and up until 2012. They had some, you know, horrific uh, defeats, not dissimilar to, to those that have, have befallen City. And... Um, there is this idea, you know, with Chelsea, you had this idea that, you know, you'd have John Terry, you'd have Frank Lampard, and then you'd look back at the past and it was, you know, Peter Osgood 30-odd years before. City, there is, you know, what <laughs> jokes about Lee Bradbury, but, you know, you, you, you're going back even further to Franny Lee or something like that. There is this idea that, that Real Madrid think they should win those competitions and Manchester City hope that they can win that competitions. And I think that... Pep was given this uh, custom-designed club by Abu Dhabi in Manchester City, taking over a club that you know, had a previously was a had a proud history, uh, but was a you know a provincial club, uh, the second biggest club in in a city, and was able to create it into his own uh, his own being, his own entity. Uh, but with within that, it, it also holds his own. Hang-ups, and one of his hang-ups is obviously about the Champions League and not being able to win it without Lionel Messi or Xavi or Iniesta. And um, I think that at another club, I mean, he didn't manage it with Bayern Munich either, who ha did have that weight of history. Um, I think he is making excuses for himself, but I think there is something to that that certain clubs believe that they should be there. In uh, in certain competitions, I mean, Liverpool are in the final of the Champions League. Liverpool fans think that they should be in the final of the European Cup, and so do Real Madrid fans. And Manchester City, I still don't think they believe it. Yeah, seems crazy to me. But uh, there you go. While we're speaking about otherworldly forces, what about the Paul Pogba, who's been something, oh, no. something of a ghost-like <laughs> presence in the Manchester United squad in recent times, possibly joining Manchester City. Is this a real story, John? Or is this Man City just having a laugh with Manchester United, at Manchester United's expense? Well, I, I was funny enough, this morning I was just watching the the Sky debate between Micah Richards, Jamie Redknapp and uh, 
and Jamie Carragher. And, and Jamie Carragher was uh, w- 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 held my view. Uh, Jamie Radnap called it a, a no-brainer. I'll, I'll leave that there. The no-brainer, uh, the no-brainer was, it, of course, you would sign Pogba. Of course, Pogba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and Michael Richards was a, 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 of a similar view. Um, listen, the other week I, I tweeted that I thought that Paul Pogba was officially the worst signing in Manchester United's history. Now it's that it's said with a slight tongue-in-cheek, but I am still getting abuse for this. If you two three weeks later, um, and. But actually, when you add it up, it's sort of true. You know, eighty nine million, the 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 ability to to lead the new Manchester United uh, generation uh, as they recover from the Ferguson fallout, and that has not happened. And Pogba is a, a peripheral player in a peripheral team, um, and uh, appears his. Um, uh, his celebrants, his the people that make excuses for them, would suggest, okay, well, United never really set up the team to suit him, except Manchester United played loads of different formations over the years, and none of them seemed to suit him. But did, so, did, did the club not let him down, John? You know, just bad managerial appointments, um, sort of clueless general direction. Uh, but I, you could argue that, but Liverpool let down Stephen Gerrard, didn't they? Um, yeah, we repeated, yeah. we repeated, and Stephen Gerrard was still the. You know the top three players in the Premier League throughout that time. Um, you you can have it, it just it it hasn't worked out for him. Is he a good player for 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 Manchester City? I don't really see how he fits into that team. What what's the gap that they've got in that team that's coming up? I suppose maybe a, a Fernandinho replacement. Obviously, Fernandinho is leaving at the end of the season, but Rodri seems to be pretty good in that role. Yeah. Is it one of those midfield players? Well, he's not as good as any of those. Um, so you're bringing in Paul Pogba as a squad player. Now, does the Paul Pogba as squad player, does that work in, in terms of his ego? Maybe not. But what was one point, actually, that I think Jamie Carragher raised um, was that, you you may remember, uh, there was a row not so long ago when Mino Raiola suggested that Pat wanted Paul Pogba yeah. to sign. Uh, now, Mino's no well, longer around. Specifically, didn't didn't Guardiola, Guardiola said it in a, uh, in a press conference to kind of get back at Mino. I can't remember what the... What Mino had said to annoy him, but Guardiola basically dropped it in a press conference that that he'd been offered Pogba. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe Pep is a, is a long-standing admirer of, of Paul Pogba, and uh, I noticed that Sam Lee um, in, in the Athletic suggested that Pep has a uh, has a Twitter account these days, an incognito one. Maybe he was one of those people sending me abuse for saying that Paul Pogba. <laughs> Um, Jack, uh, just quickly on that The the question John asked there Where are the gaps in this squad Um, Whatever about Pogba I don't really see where he fits in Haaland is coming in to fill a pretty Obvious gap Um, You know, maybe a gap that that Guardiola's It's it's a really interesting signing that one I think Because of the way that Guardiola's ideal of football actually doesn't seem to include a player like Holland who is like a really pure number nine uh, uh, an absolute power and pace merchant who loves to run and smash the ball into the net um, how do you think their relationship is going to go I mean I, when Jack Grealish joined joined uh, Man City last season I think there was a little bit of are Jack and Pep going to get on and I think at the moment it's still we're not really sure Uh well, when you look at Erling Haaland, what do you think? Do you, do you see a Pep Guardiola, a Pep Guardiola player? Having seen, I've, I haven't seen a huge amount of him, but I've seen him a fair bit for Dortmund, and no, not really. Like he's not, 
he's not very technically smooth, is he, Harland? No. Um, and Guardi, you know, we all know that how precise, how technically precise Guardiola wants his players to be. He also wants centre forwards who are very, you know, who are very selfless and hardworking for the team. Don't forget that when he showed up in 2016, there was a big question about Aguero. how he'd get on with Sergio Aguero, and he didn't play Aguero for quite a lot of big games in the 16-17 season. And it actually felt like Aguero would get phased out quickly. Um, but obviously Aguero managed to prove himself to Guardiola to the extent that he played almost consistently until you know, injuries more or less stopped him uh, season before last. So I, I don't know. I mean, he's gonna, obviously he's going to have to play because they're going to pay him so much money. Um, but it will clearly change how, change how City play. That said, I mean, I think City played their best, se- their best football this season at the start of the season when they had Phil Foden up front. But since they've moved Phil Foden out to the left... Uh, and had you know either Jesus or Sterling through the middle more recently. They I don't think they've been as good. Um, so I do think they could do with someone there, but it will obviously like kind of clog up the the fast moving of the different bits uh, somewhat. But that may, maybe maybe in net it will still be a good thing. Okay, well, the worst loser in the Premier League, the worst signing in Manchester United history. Some hot takes there. Thank you to our two callers today, to Jack <laughs> and to John. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Lord, they're up down the court in on beach. Caroline, the arse is ripped out of me trousers here. Could have been Pancho McMahon or Soso Cooney who lived in Oliver Bond. I got stopped and searched three times on the way in on the boardwalk. Well, the big 99 with loads of raspberry ah. sauce on it. There we go. That, that is that business. Oh, jeez, that's class. It's absolutely classy. I never asked you about this Pogba to City story, Ken. What do you reckon? Um, well, actually, since since we recorded the piece with uh, with John and Jack, um, I see that uh, Jack's colleague of the Atlantic, David Ornstein, uh, is saying Paul Pogba will not be joining Man City. He seriously considered it, but he's opting against it. Um, Juventus, PSG, Real Madrid currently main contenders. For <laughs> it just bewilders me how he's got such great options. But uh, according to David Ornstein, that's not happening. Although he's also saying. Uh, that the Holland thing is going to happen. It's a done. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. So that was the other thing we mentioned in that piece. That I was like, I'm not sure if it's a done deal. Well, David Orstein says this deal is done. Holland will be playing for Manchester City next season, um, which leaves Real Madrid. Uh, I don't know if you saw Diego Torres's most recent uh, story. On <laughs> don't follow Diego's work as closely as you do. Ken. Well. Listen, let me tell you what he's been up to. Um, he's been reporting on the situation between Mbappe and Real Madrid. And I thought the story is remarkable just for the figures. The figures involved. Uh, Kylian Mbappe's lawyers were perplexed when in mid-March, after the elimination of PSG from the Champions League of the Bernabeu, Real Madrid presented them with the fourth and last formal offer to hire him. One, 180 million euros in concept of transfer bonus, a salary of 40 million euros net, per year, mm-hmm. and 50% of the benefits derived from the transfer of his image rights. Sources close to the player say weeks before his advisors, uh, that what weeks before his advisors had considered the most generous proposal in the history of football, thanks to the commitment to pay a premium that equaled the price of his transfer in 2021, that's the 180 million euro uh, signing on fee, suddenly left them cold. <sighs> the difference between satisfaction and disappointment was made by the wedge of image rights. 
Madrid, as is the norm, since Florentino Perez assumed the presidency in 2000, demanded the transfer of half of all the amounts generated by the footballer through sponsorships from the date of his hiring, something that, according to his lawyers, completely transformed the scene. So much so that a month, month and a half later, the French striker is seriously considering renewing with PSG. So this, this puzzles me. I don't understand this. So he's, he's basically saying that the offer was great, apart from the, until the point when Real Madrid suddenly came in with this, oh, and we'll be taking 50% of your image rights as well. Now, what's that actually worth? As this uh, um, article continues, a basic pillar of Mbappe's heritage was constituted by his advertising appeal for brands such as EA, Nike, or Hublot. While his salary at PSG didn't exceed 20 million euros, they calculated he would bill 40 million in sponsorships this season and could rise to 70 million per uh, season in the coming years. Uh, so basically, this uh, 70 million that Real Madrid are demanding 50% of that. And uh, and suddenly the Mbappe's team are like, hang on a second, this isn't good. But what I don't understand about this is how could they have been unaware that this is what Real Madrid do? Just it makes no sense to me. Like Real Madrid have been doing this as a standard for twenty years, so why are they surprised? You know, it, 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 I don't I don't get that. Like how could they yeah. not have known that? Um, so me, so uh, basically Mbappe's like, well, if I give up half my sponsorship money to you, I could end up losing money by doing this. You know, maybe, the, especially when you consider, <laughs> I love this sentence, the princes of Qatar, owners of the club, owners of PSG, presented a triple alternative that fascinated the lawyers. Imagine the lawyers just being fascinated by this, just like, mm, this proposal fascinates us. <laughs> if he agreed to extend the contract for another two years, they would pay him a bonus of 80 million euros, plus a net salary of 40 million for the first and 50 million for the second year. If he renewed for three years, they'd pay him 40 million net the first, 50 million from the second, with a premium assigning on bonus of 130 million. If he renewed for more than three years, they would allow him to set the expiration date, pay him a 200 million euro, 200 million euro premium. And from the fourth season, taking advantage of the end of Neymar's contract, he would open a gap in the way they would ensure him a salary of 60 million net, all while reserving the right to exploit 100% of his image rights. These numbers are insane. Like, it's absolutely crazy. Like how much, I haven't even sat here and worked out how much that is sort of before tax. Nah, my mind is, my mind is boggled. It's like, I mean, a 200 million signing on bonus, it's 400 million euros. And then 40, then, then it would be 40, 50, 50, 60. I mean, that's, that's another 200. That's another, so it's an 800 million euro contract over four years, for instance. 800 million over four years is what they're su supposedly offering. So uh, Real Madrid really need to big up that history stuff, I think, <laughs> because, <laughs> because the, uh, you know, the cash uh, side of things are very much still in uh, PSG's side. Big Premier League games on during the week, and we're going to be live from London. If you fancy hearing all our coverage of all that, please sign up to secondcaptains.com. Thanks, Ken. Thank you, Owen. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.